Well, good morning. It is so great to see you all this morning. Thanks so much for joining us at the assembly today. Uh, why don't you go ahead and make your way to your feet? Uh, we're just going to worship this morning. We're going to teach you a new song. It's all about the love of the Lord. Can't wait for you to know it.
to all of you at the assembly. I know you've just enjoyed a great time of worship. I'm currently in Uganda with a great group of pastors learning and growing, but I couldn't be more excited and grateful for the friends who are ministering today at the assembly. I met Mitch and Leah Dunnick the summer of 2009 and their incredible kids, Emily, Andrew, Hannah, Sam, Levi, and Cora. And over the last six years, Kelly and I have had the joy of developing a friendship with these incredible servants in the kingdom of God. Both Mitch and Leah come from great families who love God and support them in their callings. They're well equipped for the open doors that God is placing on their lives and it continues to be a walk of faith and adventure every day as God leads them through these open doors, specifically in the medical field you're gonna hear all about it today. Some of the most recent experiences and some of the most high risk places in our world where they have and are continuing to serve. You will hear how they're training and mentoring people to also go to these places. So I want you to open your hearts, ask the Lord to speak to you today and be challenged as two of our personal heroes and friends share their hearts with you. Mitch and Leah, I love you both. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for your heart for God and his kingdom. Thank you for being a vital part of our lives and this great church. I know today is going to be a powerful day. Stand with me, church, and let's welcome Dr. Mitch and Leah Dunn. Thank you very much. You may be seated. It is an honor for me to be here today 
Um, as Ron said, with just friends of ours and people that we admire so much, are challenged by, and uh, just love you so much. So welcome to your home. To <laughs> you guys worship with us on a weekly basis when you're in town and not out doing the ministry that God has called you to, but we welcome you to this, to this place of ministry, and we are... Um, We've anticipated what the Lord's going to do in all of us. So uh, you have a very exciting family. You guys have incredible parents. I've been honored just to even meet your parents and uh, just a great upbringing and always exciting things going on with the Dunnicks. So just kind of fill us in on your kids and kind of what's going on in, in you guys' life at this season. All right. Well, good morning. Um, it's an honor and pleasure to be here. Um, we have half of our children here this morning, as well as some extended family, and my niece is here, and um, some friends. Um, but our oldest two, Emily and Andrew, are both married, and one lives here in Tulsa. Emily, she is studying to be a nurse practitioner, and in the middle of all of her clinicals right now, and working nights as an ER nurse. And then Andrew and um, his wife Amanda live in uh, San Antonio, Texas, and they teach um, school there. Um, they're both uh, elementary education teachers, just passionate about education. And um, then Hannah is with us this morning. She's our number three. She's on the front row up here. She just uh, got home from India, getting ready to head off to the Middle East very soon. So um, really busy life there for her. And then Sam, our number four, is in Lynchburg, Virginia, and he's working on his master's and, yeah, and um, uh, still uh, playing around with a soccer career out there. And then Cora and Levi are both here this morning. They're in high school, uh, sophomores and juniors. Um, they actually um, have gotten to go on some of these uh, most recent extended trips. All six of our kids um, and us had the privilege of living in West Africa for a couple of years. Um, and then most recently we were in Afghanistan. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, still busy at it, whatever God throws in our lap, we'll entertain and... No, no more kids coming. Yeah, no more kids <laughs> that we know of. Got a couple adopted ones down there that we'll hang It'll on to. <laughs> well, Mitch, so. you're from Minnesota originally. Yeah, I, I came down to Oklahoma from Minnesota. That was a big strain. <clears throat> when uh, I was looking for medical school, mom saw Oral on TV and said, Oral Roberts is building a medical school. Now that's kind of a novel thing for an evangelist who's a faith healer to build a medical school, isn't it? But she saw it and she said, I think that's, you ought to go check that one out. And, and um, mom was usually right about those things and ended up down here. You know how moms come up with real spiritual things and you go, oh mom, come on, get into reality. And usually she was in reality and, <laughs> and we were missing it. So I came down here and and went to the medical school, and then when I was uh, in my final year of medical school looking for a residency training program, I interviewed all over the country and, and looked at a lot of places and was promised some places and ended up staying here in Tulsa, much to my surprise. And about three months later, Leah, who was in her senior year at ORU, <clears throat> was... Um, came my way through a mutual friend and we met on a blind date in the fall and got engaged in the winter and married in the spring and they, we've been hard at it ever since. Wow. So. That's awesome, that's awesome. So getting started in, in your early medical career, missions was always a part of your heart and tell us how that 
looked in, in the beginning of that journey? Yeah, it really was. I remember as a, um, as a young boy, a nurse would come home from, from Africa. Every four years, she came home, and of course, she had black bobby socks and her hair up in a bun. But she would tell some amazing stories about Africa and about serving there. And I think it was at that time God dropped that in, in my heart. And in addition to that, we, and we both had a kind of a passion for international travel and seeing the world. So when I moved toward medicine, it was always this idea that missions would be a part of it. And that finding a, a way to integrate my personal Christian faith with medicine and seeing it as a ministry really was always a part of it. So coming to ORU, that was just such a natural fit, being around other people who believe that too, finding a place where you could say you can do medicine as a profession, but also as a ministry, integrating prayer and, and healing together was a, an amazing thing that I just always thought, I don't know what the details are, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but it has to be that way for me. That would always be a part of it. And then when Leah and I met with her background and her training and degrees in education, it was just such a, a God deal. So staying on after graduation at ORU in the City of Faith, and even when that closed, we were able to continue the training program that had been established there of training young men and women who loved Jesus and had a passion to serve the underserved to go to the world. It's really just an awesome concept, and it's, it's not a quick thing. It's actually several years that you're working with and the relationship with these doctors. Um, how? Give us an overview of, of kind of that process and what you do, and then, you know, our church is probably full of resource, resources and people who God could be speaking to them today, and what would be a first step or how to go about that? Yeah, absolutely. Medi- medical training is interesting, but basically you go to university and you go to medical school, And then to residency, and and during residency is where you learn how to become a doctor. And it's a paid job, but it's also school. And God has brought and continues to bring young men and women to Tulsa from all over the United States and really all over the world. Most of our young doctors that we train are not from Oklahoma. They, They come from all over the place that God supernaturally brings here. They have a heart. For Jesus, they love Jesus, they have a desire to serve medically underserved people and really integrate their faith. So what we do, it's like a three-year leadership, discipleship training program, but it's still fully accredited like any university like OU or OSU, fully accredited so that they can come become board certified as family physicians. But we push them real hard in finding the call of God in their life, growing spiritually, if they're married, growing as a couple, and really f- finding out what does God want me to do with this gift, with this profession. And during the process of their training, taking them overseas, putting them in some tough places, walking alongside them to help prepare them for whatever God calls them to do. And out of that, this whole international ministry has sprung as they've graduated and gone on. And how do you get to, uh, you know, when a need arises, just finding that fit for, for those people based on your relationship that you've developed. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. We, you know, it sounds maybe a little bit trite, but we just try to listen to the Holy Spirit. Some of the things we've been able to be involved in with disaster responses and going into places where hurricanes or typhoons have hit or where there's war, those types of things. We happen to have a few parameters that we set. We usually go international 
because there's so much help in the U.S. We usually go to places that are difficult to reach, where others may not want to go, maybe they can't go. We always try to go to a place where there's a body of believers that have invited us to come and that can carry on the work when we go. And then it's just about praying. Um, we've been in some challenging places. The first time we went was over to Goma Zaire after that Rwandan refugee crisis. And, you know, we were talking about it. Leah saw it on CNN. Leah's usually to blame for most of our exciting <laughs> trips because <clears throat> she sees it and says, we need to go or you need to go. We've got to do something. And, and I try to act like I hadn't seen it because they... They take a lot of time and energy, but the Lord puts it on our heart. That one in particular, I remember saying, this is a bad idea. Lee was out of town with the four small children at the time, and she said, I think you need to go. And I just thought, man, this is, this is a bad idea. And I was wrestling with God, and I said, I, I don't think so. So he, he, he said in my heart, well, if you won't go, who should I call? Well, that was a kind of a tough question. And then I tried plan B was I'm unprepared. I am not fit. I am not ready for this. This is a disaster. It's unstable. Um, I'm not a Green Beret or a, a Ranger or a Marine. He said, no, you're ready. You've been preparing all your life for this, but are you willing to go? All right, so then I had to go through that one. And then I said, well, you know, it's very irresponsible. I'm a, a young husband, a, a, a young dad. What if something happens? Shouldn't I be taking care of my family? Aren't they my priority? And the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, if you'll do what I've called you to do with your life, I'll take care of your family. The best place for your wife to have her husband and your children to have their father is in the center of my will. Amen. I'll take care of you if you're willing to go. If you don't come back, I'll be a, a husband and a father, but you'll come and there's more to do. And that sort of was a foundational experience for me and through that we've been able to go to other places to Banda Aceh, Indonesia after the tsunami to northern Pakistan into in the place where no westerners can go except we had a bag of medicine so they said we could come into Haiti into Burma back to Indonesia most recently into Iraq an invitation to go to Iraq which a U.S. congressman called me and said I heard you're going and I said, yes. And he said, that's a bad idea. And I said, I know. And he said, we can't help you if you get in trouble. And I said, thank you very much. And then he said, and you're not taking any women with you, are you? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, our daughter is going on this trip. And he said, that's a really bad idea. And I said, well, we, we believe that God is in it. And, and we're going to try to be faithful to it. So it's through that whole process, not that we always knew what we were doing, but we knew why we were doing it and trying to be sometimes the tip of the spear, sometimes, you know, a, a, an opening to a door to other ministries to go. And so those disaster response things have just come up as God has led us. And these young doctors, they want to go. They go, I want to go. I want to go with you. I want to partner with you. Sometimes I, I just say they're so naive, they don't know any better. Um, but they, they drop on board and come with us and and God speaks to them and teaches them through it and uses that. And then out of this, many of them have ended up becoming full-time medical missionaries all around the world. I think about 30, 35 of our graduates are in full-time medical missions, many in very difficult places, even what we call closed access countries, where you can't go as a missionary 
you can't go as a pastor, but you could go with a profession or with a, a, a service that you can render and, and be Jesus in those places. Absolutely. You know, one of the most powerful parts of your story to me, and just as I think about you guys and how God's using you, is the way that he prepared and has used your kids all along the way. And even when they were much younger and you all were in Ghana for two years. And then, you know, fast forward, they were quite a bit bigger. Uh, At the time that you were, the Lord started dealing with your heart about Afghanistan. I I wish we had time, Cora and Levi, I really wish we had time to just really hear from you guys as well. But on behalf of them, just maybe talk about their experience and how God, you saw God working in their life right along with yours and preparing their hearts for the role that they would play. Well, you know, um, from one aspect, they really never knew anything different because we just started going. And um, when they were really small, I stayed home most of the time, but there were on occasion opportunities where people stepped in and said, you know, we're not supposed to go, but we're supposed to support you and help you. So we need to be here with your kids so that you guys can minister together. And then as they got older, um, it just, it felt like the right fit. It's like, if this, if this is what we're called to and it's right for us, it's right for all of us, all six of them. So um, we pull them along, and um, some of them are, are much more in love with traveling and culture than the others, but they uh, are very obedient and, and come along and find a job and do things. And I think more than anything from the get-go, they've all grown up with um, a world perspective. Life is bigger than our four walls. Life is bigger than our little family. And um, that's really shaped the way they make decisions, the way they think about life, the filter in which um, life evolves for them. And um, you know, even watching them get older and start to make decisions on their own and, and the things that they're involved in ministry-wise, you know, some of them may end up overseas. Some of them may just be involved with their neighbors or their coworkers or whatever. But I think the one thing that it has done for them is, is had helped them to see things in a bigger perspective. Um, Afghanistan was probably the most dramatic of all of the trips that we've gone on and the things that we've done. And the two youngest ones went with us. And I, I remember when we told them, um, oh, there's a picture of them. Um, there was a lot of tears and a lot of um, stomping of feet, and not literally, but um, they had to leave everything bit, behind. There was a little bit. <laughs> they had to leave everything. The sacrifice was big for them as well. You know, they were very involved in sports and school and their friends, and at the time, in the middle of junior high, not the most opportune to rip, you know, time to rip your kids out of school and move to a foreign country, um, and certainly not like the one we lived in. But when it was all said and done, um, they were willing to trust us. And I remember having a meeting, sitting around the table and telling the four big kids who were all going to stay behind, the youngest of the four was heading off to college as a freshman. And, um, you know, his question was, well, what if my computer breaks? Who's going to fix it? Who am I going to call? You know, it's just those really practical things of, oh, wait, you're going to be in Afghanistan, and I'm going to be in Virginia, and what? Um, but all of them, as they wrestled with their own little worlds and what that looked like for them, were able to ultimately say, but we trust God. 
you know, and um, <laughs> makes me emotional. As a mom, I, I wasn't even sure I trusted him in all of those situations, you know, but they were able to say, we've seen God be faithful to us over and over again. We don't get it. We don't understand it. Um, in fact, Hannah and I were having a conversation this last week about just our world is so different than a lot of the people we're around in the sense of we've had an opportunity to go to places and see things that are just crazy. And we talk about it openly like it's nothing. And other people are like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what did you just say? Where, where did you go? And um, that's just the gift that God's given us in, in our little world that we get to do, but we forget how dramatic it is, you know, in that regard. So stopping and recognizing God is in the middle of it. So I think for them, that's what they've learned. They've just learned to, all right, mom and dad are on another crazy adventure. Okay, well, what does that mean for us? And we trust God in it. Yeah. But It's a powerful lesson because even as parents who, who aren't maybe given that call or whatever, our kids are still watching us. Yeah. They still they still see it in our eyes. They still know um, through the things that we follow through on. We, we really teach and model how to trust God and how to put our faith in God. Well, clearly we can't see the next step in front of us, right. but it teaches them to, to trust God. That's, that's absolutely awesome. Afghanistan, what a journey. Where did it begin? What were the indicators that God gave you to know that this is really him? It was probably the the heaviest call, the biggest transition. 2002, I was driving on the Creek Nation turnpike, coming home from work, and my flip phone went off. You know about, remember flip phones? Some of you still have them. But I, and I received a call from Afghanistan. A friend, a colleague, a physician, he said, we're over here and we need help. Would you come? It's like, Wow. That's, that's a long ways away. Through that, we ended up, myself and one of my partners, going over there. And we were invited to help rebuild a, a hospital that was totally gutted to start a training program for Afghan physicians. Didn't know what to do, how to do it over there. God supernaturally connected us with uh, another physician and his wife who were longtime missionaries in Africa. Just happened to be home on furlough got a copy of the letter forwarded from somebody else, from somebody else, called us and said, we need to go. This is our deal. And through that, God began to establish a training program in Afghanistan. We have several training programs in different parts of the world where our graduates have gone to train doctors and to disciple them and mentor them. Some of those are believers. Obviously, in Afghanistan, it was a much different situation because there's not believing physicians. But through that, we started connecting in Kabul as the doors opened, and Lee and I went one time, and it was horrible. The snow was deep. It was freezing cold. There's no central heat. And as we came home, she said, that was nice. Don't ever take me Let's there. not do that again. <laughs> Very tough on women. You know, brutal for women, brutal for kids. Um, and then one time... Uh, a year or two later, the program started having some difficulty, and the Lord began speaking to my heart, and I didn't share it with anybody, but I, I began to wonder, do we need to go? Uh, leave what we're doing here with tr this training program. And as I got on a plane to go that time, Leah said, it's fine if you go, but don't come home and tell me we're moving there. And I'm like, no, no, just I'll be right back in 10 days, no big deal. Well, the Lord began to speak. And after coming home, about three weeks later, my friend texted me and he said, 
He had read this book called Crazy Love by Patrick Chan. Was that his name? Francis Chan. And he said, I know it's crazy and it's bizarre, but would you come and help us? I didn't say anything to Leah. We were in the middle of high school graduation, college graduations, just busy. And I'm like, wow, God, you spoke to him. You spoke to me. This is looking bad. (laughs) And as we were driving home from Minnesota from our oldest daughter's graduation uh, from college, just north of Joplin on Highway 71, I know exactly where we were. And Leah looked at me and she said, so what's going on with Afghanistan? This was about three, four weeks later. I said, I did one of those. What are you talking about, honey? Uh, She said, no, 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 don't do that to me, please. I said, well, Dr. Tim sent a message and invited us to come. And then I started crying and she started crying and said, what are we going to do? And I said, I don't know, but I think maybe we're supposed to go. And that started us on that journey of Afghanistan, which Leah wrote about in her book, just her story as a wife and a mom and a woman and an American living in a brutal country and and just the amazing journey we, we got to go on. It's an incredible book. The books will be, are in the lobby and they'll be available to you. All of the proceeds go, just go right back into the efforts to reach the Muslim world for Jesus Christ. I encourage you to pick up a copy for you and a friend. Um, we need help and we're, that's, that's where I want to go with this. We, we see the attacks. We see the terrorism. We see our troops going into harm's way. We see them giving their life every day. We see it 24 seven. That's, that's this. What, what perspective can you give us of Afghanistan so that we can see it really through a kingdom perspective, a Christian perspective, not simply an American, an American perspective, but something that really uh, translates into the heart of God for these people and the deception, the darkness that they're in. Well, um, I can't really answer that question until I back up and just tell you a quick little story. Um, as we were wrestling with all of this, I'll be the first one to tell you, and I'm, I'm very candid in, in the book as well. Um, I didn't want to go to Afghanistan. There was a list this long of things that were hard and horrible about that place. I had a heart for the people, and God had been dealing with me about that um, since our first trip over, but I just couldn't figure out how in the world this you know, could possibly be a plus kind of thing. Leaving my kids behind, taking my kids over there, the school situation, the war. And one day I was just arguing with them. And I just said, you know, God, what about this? And what about this? And what if this happens? And I, I just don't think I can do this. And um, the Spirit of God just spoke in my heart so loud. And he said, Leah, you don't have to do this. You get to do this. And it changed on a dime for me right then and there. I mean, instantly, God started dealing with me. And I had a peace and a grace and an excitement about going. I couldn't get my suitcases packed fast enough, which was really good because we only had about eight weeks to pull it all together. (laughs) But... um, As I stepped off into that adventure, not having a clue what was in front of me, 
um, the Lord just kept dealing with me about seeing life through his lens. Just listen to me, just pay attention. Look at life, look at people, look at situations the way I do, not through the eyes of your prejudice, not through the eyes of your experience, not through the eyes of your expectations. And that began that journey for me. And um, that, I think, is really what I would want to leave you with today. I can tell you a lot of crazy, dramatic stories, stories that would you know, make you sit on the edge of your seat and go, no way, that didn't really happen. And maybe it would make you cry, maybe it would make you laugh. And, you know, if you feel inclined, you can read all of those stories in the book. But um, that's not what I would want to leave you with today. What I would want to leave you with today is that the men and women in that country are more like you and I than you can possibly imagine. They are moms and dads and husbands and wives and young women and young men who are just trying to survive. They're trying to figure out what is truth and what is not. They've been taught things culturally, generation after generation, that are non-negotiables. They don't even know how to question. They don't even know how to think outside the box. And um, at the same time, they want the same things that you and I want. They want their children to grow up in safety. They want them to grow up and be productive and um, have happy lives and happy homes. Um, they're not evil, horrible people. There are not terrorists on every corner of every street. Evil does prevail in that country. It is broken. It is a dry, um, trying to think tangibly how to portray this to you. The evil is so strong there that it is literally tangible. You can feel it on you when you walk down the street, when you go into situations and you go um, into groups of people. The fear is paralyzing. Um, and these people wake up every single day not knowing where to turn. They don't know who to trust. They don't know um, what to do to get out of their situations. They don't trust their own family members. They don't trust their government. Um, they don't trust the things that they've been taught, but they don't have any avenue to do it differently. They have no choices, no options of um, truth to wrestle with. And... Um, those were some of the things that were so surprising for me. And um, so as I think about how to package that for you, I think that I would just want you to know that they are beautiful people who are broken and lost. They are created in the image of God. And his heart, his heart is broken for them and wants to be reconciled to them. He wants them to know that they were born with purpose that there is a plan for their life, that there's something specific he wants them to do, but they live in so much darkness and so much fear they can't see the truth. They're literally blinded to it. And without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and the illumination of that truth, they'll live in darkness for eternity, literally. So I don't want you to see them as a country or a people to be feared. I want you to see them as a people to be loved. God loves them. He's not angry with them. He doesn't want to judge and, and um, bring wrath and condemnation on them. He wants them to be reconciled to him, and he needs us to do that. So um, 
that's the Afghanistan I think I would want people to really grasp and understand. And it's our, it's our job, church, to be on our knees to bridge that for these people, for, for the cultures around the world who don't have truth. And Islam is a very dark and destructive religion. And only the supernatural act of the Holy Spirit can break that. And we have the power to do that. Right here in our seats in this church in Broken Arrow or wherever we might be. We never have to step foot in that country for God to do a work in those people's hearts. Amen. I, I'm thankful for the people who have been there in the, that whole middle, not just Afghanistan, but the Middle East region for years. We have dear friends that serve there and have for, for decades. And the seeds that are being planted, even though the darkness is there, the light of Jesus is, and I, sometimes I think that's a lot of what the warfare really is about is, is intensifying because Jesus, the name of Jesus and the glory of his love is being raised, um, is being raised there and shown there. Uh, just... Just an incredible opportunity. Mitch, do you, in your dealing and, and getting there and getting in the flow of the training, God set you up some divine connections and people who were strategic in what is even now being carried on. Can you share it, that with it us? It is true. And, and I think it's important to know that from, from our perspective, we're just willing and fortunate to be able to be used, that, that God has purposes for our life. And, and for us, this happened to be one of them. Meeting these young men, these young women, we're, we're training female physicians. If you think about how satanic it is when the Taliban comes into control, they kick all the women out of the school. They don't train any female physicians. The, the f women in the culture cannot go to male physicians, so babies die. Women die. That's what's going on, and when we came in here, we were able to begin to train women physicians how to take care of women. And not only the medical part, but the ethics, the morals, valuing people, the value of life, the integrity of life, telling the truth, and saying this comes out of our book. This comes out of our, <clears throat> our belief system. One of the doctors was named Dr. Esau. Now Esau is their name for Jesus. They love the prophet Esau says in the Quran, he was a, a sinless son of a virgin who's coming again. That's who they believe he is, but they don't see that he's a redeemer. And they don't understand that they can't be good enough. I said to this doctor, I said, why did your parents name you Esau? Because we love him and we respect him. I said, do you know what he said? No. Do you know what he did? No. Would you like to read it? Because a medical doctor wrote a book about Esau and what he said and he did. And he was so intrigued, but he said, I cannot. Because he was so afraid. What if I find out that he's different than we believe? But God gave just these supernatural opportunities for us to talk to people. And medicine is a, is a, it's a need people have. They, they desire health care. Education is something people have. And it opens the door into some places that we call creative access countries. Well, you can't go as a missionary. You can't go as a pastor. But you can go to love people. Sometimes folks said, well, we just need to go in and preach. Well, you may not be able to go preach. But maybe you can go in and teach. Maybe you can go in and touch. Maybe you can go in and love and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because Jesus did that. He spent a lot of time feeding 
and healing and driving out demons and then told them about the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we got to experience. Wonderful opportunities to, to just see folks. The Islam religion, they have 99 names for God in the Quran. Not one is father. So they don't see Allah as a father. He's harsh, he's distant, he's difficult, he's judgmental. One day they asked me, they said, we see you pray in the cafeteria. You bow your head. What do you pray? It's very interesting. And I say, I pray to my father. And I thank him for taking care of me and blessing my family and for helping me to help you. They, they couldn't understand it, but they began to understand it. And that's all we're trying to do. And we're trying to do it. We're a part of, a, a, of an organization here, men and women and, and folks doing this together and then trying to raise up others to go to some of these places with the light, with the truth of the, of the gospel and do whatever we can to be Jesus in those places. Well, I know that there are people carrying on that work and, and your uh, IHI is about to go and do other missions and take other teams into places. What are some specific ways that we as a church could pray for the upcoming things for, um, for what's, what's ahead and, and just some needs that you guys have within the organization and what you're doing? And thank you for asking. I, I will say, Kelly, thank you so much for the support. You have supported us personally, but you've supported us organizationally. The church, as soon as you and Ron came to town, I started getting calls from this guy. Who's Ron Woods, you know? Well, he wants to know about in his image. He wants to know about Good Samaritan. He wants the church to be a part of it. That's huge. That's, that's a big thing because it's really the body of Christ at work. As we're trying to do in this ministry what God has called us to do, people come alongside some with expertise, some with manpower, some with finances, some with prayer, and say, let's go. When we send a team, we mandate every team member has at least 10 people who commits to pray every day. That's the bottom line with how these things work. They need to be funded. Sometimes we go into medical schools and give teaching and lecture. One time I went into Russia right after the fall of the Iron Curtain. I'm standing in front of 600 medical students, and they said at the end of the lecture, Dr., what is health. We talked about physical health, emotional health, and then we talked about spiritual health, being in right relationship with the creator of the universe. We have these opportunities, and as we train these young doctors, and as we go, and as we support our, our graduates who are overseas and support the training programs, it's just a, a real team effort, and it's, it's so amazing to us that people are interested, and they want to help, and they want to partner with us and we just believe that's the body of Christ at work. Absolutely. How exciting. We've been talking about Daniel for weeks. We've been talking about being a Daniel in a Nebuchadnezzar world. This is what it's about. This is what it's about. You are not full-time vocational pastors, evangelists, whatever. It doesn't even matter. God put the gift in you that he needed in you. He called it forth. And you guys have obeyed and you've walked out into places that I will never go or be called or would be effective in. And I, that's something that is so powerful about, about God. And I just feel to say that for those of you, there are people here that you're just trying to find that place. You're find, trying to find traction in the will of God and trying to, to just find out you, you know the right answer is to say, I trust God. I trust God with my life. I trust him with my future. I know that he has a plan. But 
you see it working for other people and you're, you're not quite sure. There are just a lot of still empty blanks and you need God to fill in some of those blanks. And I remember being there and I live there still every day. By the way, you never arrive at that. <laughs> There's always, you know, that need, oh, for grace to trust him more. But God is faithful and he will direct you and he's gonna use you exactly the way he created you. He's gonna use exactly what he invested in you for his kingdom and it's gonna be on time and it's gonna be in the right place and you're gonna stand there probably shaking and afraid (laughs) and feel you're unprepared. God's heard that line before, Moses. I mean, that's exactly what he said. God, it's not me, surely not me, but it is you, it is us because in that moment when we're weak, he's strong in the power of God. Paul said, we have a treasure we have, this, we have a treasure in our earthen vessels so that the excellency of the power is of God and not of us. And so that's the beauty of it is that we can partner together, um, whether that's to go on one of these teams and do a short term or, you know, as a medical student and someone pursuing that to, to lock arms with you and say, I'm in this for the long haul. This is exactly why I feel like God called me to be in medicine. This is the purpose that I see in it. So, um, and then for those of us who just stay in prayer, and intercede and cover you guys with prayer and as you go. So, so many ways to be involved, but in all of it, we learn um, the, the, the mighty hand of God and definitely the safest place is to be in his will in the center of his will. Is that exciting to you? Why don't we put our hands together and just thank the Lord. God is awesome. His kingdom is unshakable. Amen. I'm gonna invite our team to come back and we are now gonna have the opportunity to participate and to invest in what God is doing uh, in the Middle East, in the Muslim world, and in specifically what Mitch and Leah and their family and in His Image International is doing around the world. So we're gonna do this a certain way, the ushers, as we do on our normal GL offerings. The ushers are gonna come forward. You prepare your tithe um, at this time, and the ushers are gonna receive that. And then once you've given, If you would just stand and come forward, and we have uh, these offering buckets here in the front, and Mitch and Lee are going to be down front, and um, Cora and Levi and Hannah, if you guys want to just come and stand along, I know people would love to just greet you guys and bless you too. Um, Just come and stand along the front, and ushers, would you come down and take your place, and um, I just want to say a prayer over this offering that the Lord would bless it. I want you to really pause for just a moment and ask God what you should do what you could give to plant. Maybe the Lord's challenging you as he did Leah in just the way that you even perceive and think about it. Um, our hearts get layered. And, and one of the most powerful statements in Leah's book was how, you know, she said that God doesn't see the world through politics. He doesn't see the world through war and the ravages of poverty and, and that sort of thing. He just sees people who are separated from him and people that he wants to reconcile to himself. That's how he sees us. And the way he sees us here in America is the way he sees the world. And so let's be a part of that and let's sow into that. And I know God's going to bless you back. Let's, let's pray now. Lord, we thank you for this powerful day. We thank you for this powerful word and impact to our hearts. God, I'm so stirred and challenged. And I pray that you will just, first of all, make our hearts like yours and make it beat with your heartbeat. I pray that we would not be layered by the things that go on around us or even our own fear, but we would let perfect love cast out fear. And we would follow you, Lord, and your heart and your will. We sow into this mission, God, this 
this huge need, God, we sow into it financially in faith, knowing that it is a seed that goes into a kingdom and it brings forth life and it brings forth results that will last for eternity. We pray that you will bless it now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you as you give. How did you get interested? And it reminded me of when I was in junior high, in high school. <clears throat> and often when we're interviewing these medical students, these young people, I, I say, tell me your story. I said, God dropped something in my heart when I was young. And that's how it started. There is a call to the world, to some people here. You don't know exactly what it looks like. And it's kind of scary. 
and it's, it's uncertain. But God is looking for men and women that will do what he's called them to do. There is a need. The last thing Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, so you go and make disciples. And there is a call to mission. Sometimes it's a specific call. Sometimes it's a general call to get more involved and, and fund and help and facilitate and pray. And then for others, it's more specific. It's like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's scary sometimes. It's frightening. It's, there's, there's a fear that comes in and says, but what about this and what about this and what about this? But what I would say to you is God knows and God is faithful. And he can take care of all those fears and he can take care of all those details. And I just sense that we should just take a moment here, Kelly, if it's all right, and, and listen to the Spirit of God who indwells you and lives in you and speaks to you and will tell you and will call you. And when he does, then you have an opportunity to respond. Because he's a father, he's good. He's not judgmental, he's not corrected. His arms are open wide and he says, come on. And will you partner with me in reaching the world? Let's pray. Father, I pray that as you speak, I don't ask you to speak because you do speak. Holy Spirit, I don't ask you to speak because you do speak, because you indwell us and you live in us and you speak to us and you want to show us Jesus. So may we have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit of God is saying. I pray that right now you would give some direction, you would give some calling, you would speak deep things into the hearts of people and plant a seed that they would know is unmistakable that it is from you. It's not just a good idea. It's not just an emotion. It's just not an intellectual response, but it is something that is spiritual and that you have plans and you have purposes and you have designs and your heart is for the nations. To call the nations to you out of every tongue and of, out of every tribe and out of every kindred and nation that you're calling men and women and boys and girls to come to yourself. That is your heart as a father. And you are looking desperately for young men and young women, for boys and girls that will partner with you. And making the name of Jesus known and of sharing this great salvation with those who don't know to those who have not heard, who have not seen, who have never had the amazing opportunity and privilege to hear about the love of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we listen to you. Everything we have, everything we are, all our hopes, all our dreams, we surrender them to you again. We're not our own. You bought us. We belong to you. So we surrender to your call and your purpose. And we do that fearlessly. Because you're good and you're faithful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
want to ask you all to just stretch your hand toward Hannah as she leaves this week and let's pray specifically for her. Thank you, God, for the open door that you give us, God. Thank you for the the opportunity and the blessing and the honor of representing you, Jesus, through our lives, God. Lord, we pray, we just join together as a family, Lord, and we just lift up Hannah to you. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given her, God, for the spirit of God that dwells in her, Lord, and is gonna give great impact, God, in this trip, Lord. You know the specific objectives. You, God, only you know the the capacity, Lord, of the need that is represented. And I pray that you would just go before. I thank you that you're already there in those ordered steps. And yet as Hannah takes those steps, you will take them right with her, God. I thank you that you're before her and behind her, above her, beneath her, God, within her, God, surrounding on every side. We pray and ask for her protection, Lord Jesus, that you would shield her, Lord God. I pray for wisdom for these team uh, members, Lord. I pray for an incredible uh, chemistry that only comes from the Holy Spirit, Lord. Let your anointing be on them, God. I pray that their goals, Lord, and the objectives, the things that they will do as they reach out will have incredible impact and eternal results. We're asking you, God, for kingdom results, Lord, through this effort, Jesus. We thank you for that. Thank you for her willingness to say yes and just to go, to go into the unknown, but to go with a God who holds tomorrow and who holds this world in his hand and who holds us. Thank you, Jesus, for the empowerment to do so. It is the banner of your name that we raise. It is the power of your name that we proclaim and we thank you for your redemptive heart Lord for this world even the darkest even seemingly the most impossible nothing is impossible with you so may your love Lord shine forth shine forth God this week Lord Jesus we thank you for it in your precious name amen amen hasn't this been an awesome awesome day I want to tell you that in each lobby on both sides, you'll find Leah's book available. If you are uh, paying today with a credit card or debit card, please use this side, uh, this lobby. And if you're with cash, you can go to this side. We just have one um, credit card machine on this side. So just a a point of correction there, uh, instruction there for you. And we pray that you'll have a blessed week. And thank you for joining us today. God bless you.